you or someone you love have scoliosis? Are you wondering what's next? What is life going to be like from now on? Or is this even a big deal? Hi, my name is Dave Butler, and welcome to the Scoliosis Experience. We are here to talk with real people, both patients, parents, and providers, to bring hope and clarity to the road ahead. Thanks for joining us, and let's get started. Hello and welcome to today's episode. Today I talked to Garrett Batty, who has an amazing story about scoliosis. A little bit of background on Garrett. When he was born, he had a condition called Tetralogy of Fallot. He had a heart condition that has resulted in multiple surgeries. He had scoliosis from the, the time he was a child as well. And his history is pretty amazing with needing to have scoliosis fusion when he was a teenager and being paralyzed from that surgery and coming back from paralysis. Pretty cool story on overcoming challenges and trials, but his main message is to not limit yourself, to not allow yourself to be limited with scoliosis and the problems you might have with scoliosis. So this is a fantastic episode for anyone who is looking for motivation to push through challenges. It's great for people who are looking at possible surgery or are having complications from surgery. One thing that I want to point out before the episode and one thing that during the episode we point out is that this is a very rare case of a paralysis with a spinal fusion and this does not happen very often. It's it's very rare and so if you are looking at getting surgery this is not something that that is likely to happen. Uh, this shouldn't stop you from getting the care that you need, especially if your curve is progressing to a point where it needs surgery. And Garrett talks about that a little bit as well in this episode. I really enjoyed recording this episode, and I think there's a lot of things that we can learn from Garrett. So here he is. All right, Garrett, thanks for thanks for being here with us on, on the Scoliosis Experience podcast. Um, let me introduce Garrett a little bit. <clears throat> I've known... Garrett, for I don't know how many years I've known you. Um, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, Garrett is the brother to a brother-in-law of mine, and so yeah, we've we've known each other for a while. And he's also a patient of ours that we we see with scoliosis and and things like that. So I thought it would be really cool to do a, an episode with you because I think you have a really cool story and a really cool experience that you can share with others that that have scoliosis. So. I'll give you a sec to introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks very much, Dave. Um, uh, yeah, as you said, I'm, uh, my name is Garrett Batty, and um, I've been a patient of yours for a couple months now. I'm glad to, glad to be on a podcast. I've listened to a few of the episodes and been inspired by people that are telling their stories and educated a little bit by people that are sharing their experiences mm. because um, it's not often that I don't know, maybe I'm rare, but I don't often identify people with scoliosis and go and talk to them and say, oh, tell me about your experiences. Mm -hmm. And so to hear people share that has been very um, eye-opening and and uh, it's been, I don't want to say comforting, but, but certainly um, it's been nice to hear of their, their experiences, their similar experiences. Well, and, and I think it's interesting because I do talk to people about their experience, just as the nature of talking to them about their scoliosis before we treat them. 
And so for me, it's always been normal, but it's interesting to hear you say that, you know, that's something that you haven't, you're not talking to people with scoliosis about their experiences. Obviously, I mean, you're not seeing someone on the street and saying, I'm not actively seeking people out. Right. Yeah. So it's good to know that it's helpful to, to see those. Yeah. There's a use for it. Yeah. Cool. I don't know if that's a good introduction. Or not, I think that's, that's a great that's who introduction. That's I am. Uh, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I'm a local guy. I'm a father of four, married uh, 21 years, live here in uh, in Utah, and I work professionally as a filmmaker. Awesome. So that's me. Make some amazing films. I've seen quite a few of those. I have a good time doing it, yeah. So uh, tell us kind of your, when, well, your scoliosis history, it, diagnosis or even before that, kind of give us an idea of how this entered your life a little bit. Yeah, I was, um, in my memory, I was, I was born with scoliosis and it was ever present. Uh, I don't know the degree of severity or um, how it affected me uh, as I started to grow, but I, I do remember, I mean, it was always kind of a constant thing. I was, I was born also with a rare condition called Tetralogy of Fallot, which is a heart defect. And they say that those sometimes uh, frequently accompany each other. Uh-huh. And so I think it was always just kind of part of the thing. Oh, Garrett has heart and back issues. And so I'd go in for my annual checkups. I immediately had I had open heart surgery when I was six to kind of co- to correct some of those heart defects. But it was always in my mind, unseparated from uh, the, the back issues. So I'd go in and each year or so they'd take an x-ray and measure the curvature of my spine. And I don't know that it affected me any other way than that. I just knew that I'd have an annual checkup. It was kind of part of your life at that time. It was part of my life. expected. Yeah. And so any limitations in mobility or sports or energy, I, I, I could never really attribute to whether it was a heart or a back or... Whatever it was, but I didn't ever feel um, like I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. You—that's all you knew was you know you had a heart condition since you were born, scoliosis since you were born, so you didn't really know any different than that, right? Right. So it was right. normal. I do know that I was always, my parents were always telling me to stand up straight. Oh yeah, uh, more more so <laughs> than my siblings. I have there's six kids and. And uh, they're all normal height, and and, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm definitely much smaller than uh, than the rest of them. I think I was totally being unfair. Told. <laughs> being I was told. always being told to stand up straight. Right. So yeah, so it started early on, um, and it sounds like, I mean, with with the uh, the heart surgeries, I wonder how much that has to play into the development of scoliosis, and. It, and I don't know if there's been any research on that. You know, a, a heart surgery can increase scar tissue and stuff like that. Who who knows? You know, or they both came on even before the first surgery. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. And I'd also tie into the to the lungs issue. You know, in scoliosis, mm-hmm. your, your lung is, from what I understand, you know, the mm-hmm. curvature sometimes compresses a lung. Mm-hmm. And so as your heart's pumping and trying to get oxygenated blood around your body and your lung has less of that mm-hmm. oxygen to give i think it all kind of worked together or worked against uh you know right. regular growth so as a 
you know, growing up as a, as a kid and going into your teenage years, did you feel limited by it? Did you feel like it stopped you from doing, you said it didn't stop you from doing things that you wanted to do, but did you feel a limitation with that? I don't think I did. Um, I would credit that to, you know, maybe there weren't limitations. I mean, I played soccer, you know, we lived in Texas. I played in Texas soccer leagues and I felt limited by just my height, but which is certainly related to scoliosis, but I wouldn't, it wasn't ever an issue of saying, I have scoliosis, therefore I can't do right. such and such. Right. Um, so no, I, I, I did soccer, I skied, an avid skier, and uh, played, even played high school football hmm. uh, my freshman year um, in high school. And so it says a lot about our team that I made the team, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I did, I went out for and played. And, you guys were amazing. That's, that's what it says. Right? I got a grass stain. <laughs> I got a big accomplishment in the football team. Awesome. So, yeah, we're in your freshman year. Kind of tell us what happened. So, uh, yeah, freshman high school. year, and as is the as is, from what I understand, as somebody starts to hit puberty, they start to grow, mm-hmm. and uh, so the doctors, you know, I went in for my annual checkup or X-ray, and they said, okay, the curve in your spine, as you're starting to grow, is. Uh, increasing. Therefore, we feel like we need to address this uh, <laughs> rather than just kind of let it play out. Um, and so the decision was made to do, to insert rods into my spine, uh, Harrington rods, I had three mm-hmm. rods inserted. Um, and the way the procedure was described to me is that uh, they would go and straighten out my back a little bit with rods and fuse the vertebrae therefore it would maybe make things a little bit straighter and then stop any risk of like continue like increased curve as a freshman it sounded great i i interpreted that as hey i'm gonna go in to surgery come out a week later an inch and a half taller and with no back issues and uh yeah take a week and recover and then i'd be back jumping on the trampoline skiing things like that well, and I think that's a lot of my patients who are looking at having surgery. Uh, it's just the teenage mind, I think, is like, okay, well, I'll go in and get this fixed and then move on with my life. Yeah. And uh, and sometimes that goes differently than expected. It did. It did for me. And so we went in uh, in July. You know, it was like, I know what you did last summer. That was my, <laughs> this was my summer experience. I went in July after my freshman year. They did the surgery, and I remember waking up from the surgery, and the doctors were huddled around me and asked me, you know, hey, how you feeling? And I was obviously groggy and still probably under anesthesia. Um, and they told me to, you know, had me, you know, I could see them poking and prodding my legs and had me move my legs, and uh, an expression came over them, um, you know, the wide-eyed expression, and they put the mask back on me and went back in. And I woke up a few days later um, as my next memory with them, um, you know, waking up and the doctor's kind of at the foot of my bed saying, oh, he's awake, he's awake. And I already gathered around and said, okay, now move your legs again. And what I didn't know is I hadn't moved my legs when they woke me up the first time. Oh, wow. Nor the second time. Mm-hmm. And so it was a day or two and they, they came in and said, okay, let's have a talk. You are, during the surgery, there were complications and there were... They went back in to try to address what those complications were. They found that there were bone chips that were 
had dropped, you know, dropped or severed or uh, pinched or whatever it is in my spinal column. Mm -hmm. And uh, they said that that was not the ideal scenario and that I would be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. Wow. So that, so, and I want to, yeah, so that was um, certainly not the plan. And I tell this hesitantly because I don't talk about this story a lot because I certainly wouldn't want to dissuade anybody from getting treatment that they need mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. for sclerosis. To this day, I don't like going to the hospitals. I don't like anything about that. I mean, it certainly had an effect on me, but I don't want to right. promote that, um, you know, if somebody needs treatment. Right. Yeah. And, we, and we mentioned that before we did this podcast that, you know, this is something that this doesn't happen very often at all right and and so yeah this shouldn't be something that dissuades someone from doing surgery if it's indicated sure and uh yeah the the experience is definitely not common right and uh yeah so i think that's an important point to make (laughs) right yeah right Uh, yeah and i mean the the story doesn't end there i mean it's a there's um you know, is in, in an intensive care unit there for about 10 days. And then they said, okay, we're going to transfer you to um, kind of an occupational therapy where you'll learn how to function in a chair. We'll get a, you're going to learn how to sit up, mm-hmm. slide down a board into a chair, so you can wheel around. Get you functional in a wheelchair. Get you functional, yeah. And yeah. here's how to keep your hands clean when you're mm-hmm. reeling and eating and things like that. In my mind, I said, no, that's not for me. That's not my life. Mm-hmm. And so they sent me to the hospital psychologist to try to oh, really? kind of get get wow. me to wrap my brain around that you know through through uh you know i'm a faithful person through through prayer and miracles and um hard work you know i, I would train for occupational therapy during the days and then at night uh when when the therapists were away and the doctors were gone i would you know pull myself up on the edge of my bed and stand kind of balance on my feet on the edge of the bed is when everyone was out of the room yeah yeah cause they, they didn't want me doing that <laughs> right <laughs> and as a therapist who has worked in hospitals that just yeah <laughs> that's crazy there was there was one there was a, a nurse there or a therapist however the term is um who i'm sure i'm sure they knew that that's what i was doing right he was very conscientious of helping me mm-hmm. do that safely Mm-hmm. So he'd make sure that my, you know, they give me a big plastic back brace mm-hmm. that you take off when you're laying down. Right. He'd make sure that I was kind of close to my bed at night so I could put that on and oh, yeah. and uh, stand safely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it, I did that for 40 days, and my goal was to make it out of the hospital um, for school when school started. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah, I... I once movement started returning to my legs and uh, numbness wore down and you know abilities started returning or I relearned you know I regained um, therapists started to say okay let's let's shift your plan from you know wheelchair uh, lifestyle to more of a more of an ambulatory lifestyle right so yeah, forty days later, I was able to walk out of the hospital on on hand crutches, and continue in therapy for since you know from then on out. Well, and it's interesting because one one of my thoughts is what what were one of my questions is what were your thoughts when they told you that 
you know, you're going to be in a wheelchair, but it sounds like your thought was, nope, it's not for me. Yeah. Yes. And, and again, I want to be so sensitive because there are, you know, I'm in therapy with other spinal injury patients Mm -hmm. who didn't have that thought or, or who did, but that would, but the result was they didn't walk out. So I want to be very careful and say, oh, because of my hard work and faith, here I am. Right. Um, Sometimes that's not in the cards. That's not in the cards. I get that. And that, and I think that they would be trying to be very careful and say, Hey, here's this kid that Mm -hmm. might not, you know, Everybody might have that idea, right. and that might not be the result for everybody. Yeah, to answer your question, that my thought was, no, that's not for me. But I had heart-to-heart conversations with other people in therapy right. that that was for them. And, and their journey is acceptance and success in, in, with, mm-hmm. uh, with that mindset. Right. Yeah, you can definitely have that success result. with you know, the life of needing to be in a wheelchair. Yes, there's, absolutely. There's no, no problem with that. But but for you, it it worked out. Very yes, that's great. Yes, for me it was a different different plan. So before surgery, you know, you mentioned that you didn't feel like you were held back by, by scoliosis or or your heart necessarily. How did that change after surgery? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I have so today. I mean, that that was thirty years ago, mm-hmm. thirty plus years ago. And today I have limited motion. I still have three rods in my spine mm-hmm. and my spine is fused. So mm-hmm. tasks is sort of like bending over to tie shoes have to be planned out. Right. Right. <laughs> and well, okay, I got to find a place where, where can I <laughs> where can I bend over and get back up again? So the paralysis in my mind has left, you know, me with a big limp um, when I walk around. And I actually had a conversation the other day with the brother-in-law my wife's side and uh you know we were talking about activities or things like that i said oh sometimes i don't do that because my limp and he says wait you limp (laughs) and you know as a guy i've known for 22 Mm -hmm. years and uh it occurred to me that we i I maybe as a scoliosis patient we are our worst critics or oh definitely we often see ourselves so much more flawed i'll say or Mm -hmm. uh than than others and that's been an eye-opening conversation of late, and and I think relevant to to this podcast is that hmm. when you say how does it affect me, I think mentally it affects me more than physically. Yeah, and, and uh, that's important for me to learn. Yeah, and I think that's that's important for most patients with scoliosis or or people with any problem to learn that yeah. we we tend to see it more looking at it from our perspective than what other people actually notice. Yes, very much so. I am an incredibly self-conscious person, and and that might be more common uh, mentality than, than I realize. But when I, like when I walk across a room, I'm, my, I know in the back of my head that people are just staring at me, just wondering when I'm going to fall over or, <laughs> or if I'm okay or what's going on or why does he ache so badly, which I don't. Right. And I don't, but in my mind, that's how I'm, how I perceive myself. Yeah. And that's refreshing to hear from other people uh, that have scoliosis or other people in general that, no, we're all just, <laughs> we're all, we're all doing okay. Right. Yeah. We're all doing okay. We're not, you know, I see people with very small scoliosis curves that think everyone in the world can see it. Yeah. Know, that, that, oh yeah, if I'm in a bathing suit, you know, everyone can see this and is, is thinking, wow, she's 
or he's messed up. And, you know, most of the time... That's not the case. Other people aren't noticing that. You know, they're, they're not... Like you said, we're kind of our own worst critics in a lot of different ways, not just uh, physical appearance and things like that. But Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I probably deviated from your question as far as how it affects me. No, you're good. Okay. That, that, that was a good mentally, tangent. Yeah, I like mentally, that that's how it affects me. Yeah. Physically, I uh, certainly the rods have stopped me from from being real um, flexible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like tying your shoes, like we already talked about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I still, to this, you know, I still enjoy skiing and um, going on walks and playing pickleball and whatever yeah. else old people do. Old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you I, are not old, Garrett. <laughs> I, I shouldn't say that. No, I, it, it doesn't. It, it doesn't uh, stop you from doing any of those things. I know that your family's your family is big into skiing. So, did it change your ability in skiing? I feel that it did. I feel that the mm-hmm. surgery did. Certainly, you know, I, I mean, I even have limited sensitivity on, on my right side. Right. Um, so limited motion um, and feeling, and so that is going to affect things for sure. But I, I don't know, I, I couldn't keep up with my brothers beforehand and I can't today, so. <laughs> so no. Well, I can't keep up with one of your now, brothers Now either, I just have so. something to blame it on. There you go, there you go. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we've talked a little bit about the struggles immediately after surgery and, and just generally, but were there any other struggles with scoliosis or anything like that uh, that we haven't talked about I think that a struggle might have been pain and hmm. I'm trying to remember if I felt a lot of back pain before scoliosis I would, I would, I'd like to say that I had you know slight back aches or whatever it is mm-hmm. uh, and that is no longer the case since hmm. the surgery it is I do not feel back pain I don't think that that's because of nerve damage I think that the, those rods and fusions yeah it's not moving are moving around yeah and so you know when um so that's a big plus yeah you do have some sensitivity though on your back right like just hypersensitivity or oh yeah yes yes i guess back aches are yeah they don't affect me Mm -hmm. as they would have um prior to the surgery right but yes sensitive yeah that's a good point if somebody touches or you know pokes me in the back it shoots jolts of, of <laughs> right yeah we try to avoid that yeah try to avoid that so um if we move on a little bit and think about just generally like mentally how how do you feel like you were able to meet the challenges that you've had like what, what do you feel like helped mentally with that yeah that's a great question any challenges with my scoliosis I, I always associate now to the surgery and to mm-hmm. the results of the surgery and the paralysis and things like that. And so my mental challenges, or my mental journey on overcoming or meeting these challenges is always paired with that. How do I, how do I meet this challenge of my physical limp or my limitations? And that, as far as meeting those challenges, I think I, I try not to be limited by by anything mentally or physically if you know I have a a a wonderful marriage and wonderful kids and a successful career um, and I think that 
that it is important to recognize that yes with scoliosis while there might be physical limitations it should not be anything that isn't that you can't deal with and mm-hmm. um, it has helped me see the goodness of people you know where i have a um, perhaps this exaggerated um, mental awareness you know let's see i want to say that right where i'm maybe yeah my, i'm my worst critic mm-hmm. and yet <laughs> there are there are wonderful people that are just they see me for who i am or they see anybody for for who they want to be and and help them achieve that and get there right. and i think that that's inspiring that's seeing how other people view others yes i think is it's helpful yeah it's it's helpful to take a cue from that and say okay yeah. hey if they're not judging me i should not judge myself like this and just treat myself like a normal person it's a good point good point in physical therapy and in scoliosis therapy you're what we would call a complicated patient because <laughs> i've been called worse. mentally and everything else <laughs> yeah no no, no. i've been yeah. Um, because, I mean, you've had paralysis, you have tetralogy of Fallot, you have, uh, you know, a spinal fusion with scoliosis, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that, that makes you kind of a, a complex patient from a therapist perspective. Sure. Um, I, I've actually really enjoyed working with you with scoliosis, partially because since we've known each other for a while, when I got trained in scoliosis treatment, I mean, I can pick out scoliosis in, in people fairly easily now. And uh, I remember years ago, I was like, man, I want to I work with Garrett on that scoliosis. But, I mean, I, I never said anything. And then sure. and then one day I come into the room and there sits Garrett. And we're ready to rock and roll. It was, yeah. it was exciting. But tell, tell the listeners about what that was like. I mean, what... As far as you're comfortable telling about our experience, about our experience, how you've done in, in treatment, stuff like that. Yeah, well, I'll preface it by saying yes that uh, I was certainly aware of your study or your field of interest, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, but had no idea that you were like the expert. I mean, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not just saying that to build you up. I mean, you've been very very um, sensitive to. Or my condition and never approach me saying hey let me you know, let me help you out or hey ever thought hey stand up straight uh and yet so i so lately i've been thinking oh you know i've got some time and and so i'd love to i was thinking i'd love to check out to have a checkup with my scoliosis and see how it's been it's been a few years mm-hmm. several years since my mm-hmm. last checkup and i know that i should get it checked out and so that's why i gave you a call and said hey what you know what do you think was not expecting what uh, you know this you know months later to be to be um to have received the level of help that i received what was your question (laughs) (laughs) so it just kind of describe to the level that you want to describe what what we've done what you've done what you've learned yeah kind of your experience in in getting it treated because you came you didn't really well, you came for like a scoliosis checkup or for a specific reason. Yes. Oh, yeah. So I so I was having, you know, my annual heart checkup mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. I've had several other heart surgeries since this back yeah. surgery. And uh, my doctor, uh, I was having a shortness of breath uh, and some tingling sensations in my legs that weren't, that weren't common. 
And so I went to my heart doctor and said, hey, okay, you know, here's what I'm reading on the internet. And it's, a, oh, it's definitely a heart issue. And he just looked at me and said, it's scoliosis. And I said, that's not true. I've had scoliosis my whole <laughs> life, and these are new symptoms. And he said, okay, <laughs> uh, go, go talk to somebody that looks at scoliosis. No. And so that's why I said, okay. I said, well, he said, talk to a, a back doctor. And I said, well, how about this guy who's an expert in scoliosis? Right, this, this quack that's over there. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's my brother-in-law, and he's done this. And it's like one of those <laughs> right. things, like the doctor's like, you know what? He actually said, oh, even better. Oh. Good. Even better. He says, mm-hmm. with these heart issues, your scoliosis is certainly tied to that, mm-hmm. and go talk to him. Okay, all right. So that's why I mean, made the right. appointment. Right. And I said, hey, I've got these tingling sensations, and I've got this shortness of breath that um, I'd love to figure out. I'd love to go back to my heart doctor and say, see, it's my heart. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you right. s- and yeah, so then you put together a plan. We came in every week. For a while, we did some simple exercises, and in my, I'm sure that there's reason for them. In my, in my limited knowledge perception, it's a combination of stretching and breathing. Yeah, a little bit of strength improvement, but you put together. Uh, it was it was fun our first meeting because you were you, you know, you had me sit down and 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 you could poke and prod exactly where it needed to be to kind of get me sitting straighter and then you're saying oh this is exactly how this is and I felt like like if I'm you know I'm an expert in film right if I'm watching mm-hmm. a scene and say okay here are the problems with this scene right the cuts are too pacey the camera angles off the lighting's a little bit mm. low stuff I and would I, have no idea and about. you have no idea and you're like yeah. oh yeah of course now I see it Right. And so that's what it was for me. It's like, <clears throat> I've had this for 30 years, and now I see how to, okay, straighten and start with my pelvis, build up, and think, all hmm. these things. So now, every week, you know, I'm, as I'm doing these exercises, you sent me a website, and I'm going through and kind of checking uh-huh. off the exercises, and it's become a mindset. I'm like, oh, hmm. two, three weeks into it, suddenly my tingling isn't there anymore. Dang it, you can't like, go back to your doctor. No, no I'm going to my doctor. Uh, yeah, my team wasn't there. And my, you know, a month into this, my wife says, I think you're walking straighter. Uh, which I wish I would have come 30 years ago. You weren't around. But I wasn't around when, Whenever you opened, I wish I would have knocked on your yeah. door and been your first patient. I was 11 years old, 30 years ago. <laughs> okay, so all right. That may have been a little tough. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I... I think sometimes as a therapist that deals with this, you know, this is just normal everyday stuff to me. You know, it's just, yeah. this is just what we do. You know, we correct from the pelvis and work our way up. And, and I mean, to me, it's not rocket science and they're simple exercises too. Right. But the, the key is doing them. And as you do them, I mean, even what differences have you noticed with, I mean, you talked about your wife noticing walking you talked about kind of more self-awareness and the the tingling going down any other things that you noticed with that um no i mean i go i go on my morning walks now without getting shortness of breath and i feel like my i mean you measure my lung capacity and and so yeah we've seen a slight increase but even then just kind of the constant breathing mm-hmm. uh, um, i'm aware of my breathing now and pay better attention to that I, it has been, it has been a 
a good investment. I, it seems kind of trivialize it, but uh, it's been a great use of time. And again, I wish I'd been doing this years prior to this. Right. And I think the more the more research we get into scoliosis treatment, and the more you know it's accessible to people, I think the better results we're gonna <clears throat> we're gonna get like this. And it's it's great to hear that things are changing. We we worked on limping a little bit. Do you feel like you can control your perceived limp at this point? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I feel like I know how to continue right. to work on that. Mm-hmm. I know what to do, and th- I think that has been kind of the one of the big mind shifts. Um, is that I should address these things, like mm-hmm. with scoliosis, even as a kid. It's not going to go away, right? Right. The fourteen-year-old kid starting to grow. Mm-hmm. Your doctor's not going to say, "Well, maybe this will grow out of this." It's not the case, and right. so we addressed it, and then this thirty-year gap that I've kind of ignored it. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. well, I guess that's taken care of. Now I can check it off my list. Right. And that shouldn't be the case. Like this has been helpful to say. There are daily exercises that I can do that are going to help me deal with either the mental or the physical uh, not challenges but just awareness mm-hmm. of scoliosis and I love now that this has become a part of my life that I am talking more about more openly about mm-hmm. you know with my brother-in-law who says hey I didn't even know you had a limp again these conversations are coming up because I feel like these issues should be they're a part of our lives and we should address them and and not let them limit us but kind of own them well, and before you talked about how you're kind of hyper aware of things and aware that you have a limp and other people may not notice it, but you're, you know, you're aware of that. And I think sometimes you don't want to talk about it because you don't know what to do about it. Like you don't uh-huh. think there's anything you can do about it. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to put that on shelf, you know, and, and not deal with it. But once you learn how to address it, and learn how to actually, you know, say your limp, for instance, once you learn that there's something you can do for it, right, that might make it less noticeable, even if people aren't noticing it already, but for you mentally, I think it's kind of empowering. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that 100%. And yeah, you say you know, we're going to put it on a shelf mentally, mm-hmm. but for me, that shelf is like the first thing you see when you open the front door, mm. not other people. So I've been... <laughs> you know, <laughs> fooling myself and like hiding is carrying this big like every morning when I wake up it's the first thing you know mm-hmm. first thing like, you wake up get out of bed and walk to the bathroom I, I'm you know limping mm-hmm. the whole way just going Ugh. not not down harder but like okay right. this is me still yeah and now to say okay this is me and here's how I'm dealing with it is so so great yeah that's a different you're in a different mental place with that very much so it's awesome so um what advice do you have like let's say someone is diagnosed with scoliosis or they're looking at having surgery or they have complications from surgery or anything like that what's what's the main advice you would give them um first i'd say welcome welcome to the (laughs) welcome to the group the exclusive group oh yes very (laughs) exclusive and I think we've discussed about not being self-critical, not not, not criticizing. You haven't mm-hmm. done anything wrong mm-hmm. uh, that you know that's given you scoliosis, or 
I think I think advice that I would give, um, we've addressed not being uh, hard on yourself, be self-critical, and then I'd be you know welcome. Here's this wonderful, wonderful challenge, wonderful experience, uh, opportunity for growth that you have with scoliosis, and to address it to not make it a hidden part of you. Hmm. I think that there's been, I think that's been helpful for me hmm. this past couple of months. Yeah, that's great. And I think that's a, a lot of my patients, especially, especially my adult patients. Um, my adult patients can benefit from that because going through, you know, teenage years with bracing or, or, you know, just body image issues, um, being able to, to do something about it and not just put it on that shelf that we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. that, that as far as body image goes, mm-hmm. I think that is key, especially for teenagers, that, to know that we are our worst critics. Hmm. That yes. no one is standing around <clears throat> looking at somebody with scoliosis going, they got scoliosis. Like that's, uh, yeah. This is what right. is wrong with them. Mm-hmm. we are the only ones that are doing that we ourselves look in the mirror study ourselves like oh what if I lean like this what if I stand like this what if I suck in my gut whatever I can do to hide this thing yeah don't worry about it don't let it limit you that way chances are those people who you think you're criticizing you are criticizing themselves just as much as uh, you think that just as much as you are yourself yeah so, yeah yeah um, last thing is there anything specific that you feel like you've learned? We've talked about a lot of stuff, and maybe we've already talked about that, but what's the main thing that you've learned with having scoliosis, kind of uh, the main takeaway that people can take away from this podcast? Yeah, I, I think the main thing that I have learned in my life is not to feel limited, not to be mm-hmm. limited. Whether it's scoliosis or heart issues or paralysis or... yeah you know, being the shortest sibling, whatever it is, <laughs> don't, don't limit yourself. Don't let that limit you. We live in an amazing time where there are solutions to whatever we're dealing with or, or there are people that are going to walk with us along the, the way through what we're dealing with, whether that's a family member or a spouse or a friend or a therapist, uh, a doctor, whatever it is, we do not need to carry these um, burdens, if, if we want to call it that, with these unique issues that we're dealing with, we do not need to carry those alone. Hmm. Um, we don't need to limit ourselves, and we're not alone in this journey. Awesome. I love it. Well, thanks for doing this episode with me. I think it's been great. This has been great. It's been helpful to talk, and thanks for the past couple of months. It's been, it's been nice. You're welcome. You're welcome.